You're listening to the Mind Your Home Podcast. I'm your host, Mia Danielle, and I'm here to tell you that the number one thing you can optimize to give you more energy and happiness is your environment. If you're tired of the chaotic cycle and ready to feel energized at home with more simplicity, more energy, and less clutter, then welcome to the Mind Your Home Podcast. So I asked about a month or two ago what you guys wanted to hear more from me um, in terms of video subjects for the second quarter of the year. And I was a little bit surprised that the majority of the questions, or at least a a good portion of the questions, had to do with being clutter-free with kids. So I've decided to make just an entire video where I answer all of those questions. Um, I had actually already started recording this video about geez, like a month ago. And I ended up scratching that. Just my energy was off and we've had a lot of changes happening here in the family. So I thought that this would actually be a good segue into sharing some of the updates that we have going on around here. A lot of you know that my oldest daughter is about to turn 16. My youngest daughter just had a birthday. She just turned 14. And about four weeks ago, we found out that we are about to do it all over again. No way. <laughs> Are you pregnant? It looks like a positive, positive. Like we gotta get another test. We gotta get another, another one test. <laughs> 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 Are you gonna be allowed to fly? Matt and I got married in June of last year, and we immediately started trying. We've been trying for about eight months to have a baby, so this was a planned pregnancy, and we were starting to wonder if it was actually going to happen, and it happened. (laughs) I had had a lot of anxiety that two-week period right before I found out. I was vibrating with anxiety, and I kept wondering, like, what is wrong with me? Why do I feel this way? Nothing is really changed, you know, in in my day to day. Uh, And so I started getting a little bit curious right before I took the pregnancy test, like, well, maybe I am pregnant, you know, maybe this is hormones. And I'm pretty positive that it was. I am nine weeks pregnant now. So just over two months, we just had our first ultrasound in the doctor's office. It's still really early on. So you can't see a whole lot. The heart rate is great. Obviously, we don't know the sex or anything yet. We should know the gender in the next four or so weeks. Last week, I did a video on feeling uninspired and exhausted. And that was definitely, I feel like, uh, the result of the way that I'd been feeling about working and getting things done in the state of just fatigue and queasiness that I've been feeling. I've definitely had the queasiness. I wouldn't say morning sickness because I haven't actually thrown up, but uh, every day is another queasy day so far. Uh, Definitely low energy, definitely exhausted a lot, but it's good to know that all of that is normal. Also had a lot of shortness of breath, which we had checked out, and it turns out that that is normal too. So yeah, everything is looking great. We held off on telling everybody a lot can go wrong in the first trimester. We wanted to make sure that everything was looking the way it should and wait until we had that first ultrasound. And so I'm happy to share that with you guys today and I'll keep you posted on how things are going. So I'm about to go into answering all of your questions about being clutter-free with kids. Uh, But first, if you're new here, then welcome. My name is Mia Danielle, and I chat all about holistic and clutter-free spaces. So if that's something you're into, be sure to click subscribe and turn on those notifications. I release new videos every Tuesday. Also, I want to let you know that this video is sponsored by Skillshare, and I will share more about them here in a bit. 
This first question I really love because I feel like it's so raw and honest. I think that this is something that a lot of us can relate to. Whether or not you're trying to practice minimalism, you could probably relate to this. I'd love to see someone do content on how to deal with the jealousy monster when your minimalist kids go to visit friends or family who are not minimalistic. I have a three and four year old who come home feeling like they have nothing compared to others. When they are home and not out visiting people, they are content. I do like that you added at the end that when they're home and they're not around other people, they're content because I think that that is really key. It indicates that they do have the things that they need in order to actually fill their days and to make them happy when they're content at home because kids will very easily let you know when they need more stimulation or when they need more things uh, to do or to occupy themselves. If they're content when they're at home, then you're probably doing an amazing job of making sure that they have the things that they need. Anybody who has had kids has experienced jealousy, whether it's among the kids or even sometimes among the parents. Um, I remember when I was growing up, I used to come home just feeling sad and depressed every time I would come back from visiting relatives because, you know, I would visit my grandparents and they would shower me with different gifts and take me out to eat dinner and we'd go to the theaters and it was like, you know, always an event when I would go to visit family members. And so I would come back home. We lived in a really small town, not a whole lot happening. And every time I would come back home, I would have just this kind of down demeanor and it really upset my mom. Like I remember that I felt, I felt bad for her because I could tell that she would get really upset whenever I would come home and seem so unhappy with where I was. After like a day or two, I would get back into my mojo of where I was and everything was great. And I don't think that I had anything that I was lacking growing up. Kids especially are going to want things that they don't have. And a lot of times, once they do have them, they don't even want them anymore. Uh, I've definitely bought my kids the really cool, expensive robotic dogs and cats and you know things that they really, really, really wanted. For months, they really wanted. And then as soon as they got it, it was like, okay, that's cool. Play with it for you know a couple of times and then that's it. While it is frustrating, it is something that we all kind of have to work through emotionally on our own as being a byproduct of being a parent and kids always kind of wanting what they don't have naturally. You know, um, I used to nanny actually for some kids that were living in a really affluent area. So these kids had a lot of stuff. They had nice houses, you know, they had things. Um, and still, even within that community of kids, if one of the kids got something like a new switch or something that the other kids didn't have, they still wanted it. It wasn't because they were deprived of things at home. So for me, whenever I've had this come up with, with my kids, um, and it, and it has come up, not, not even with stuff sometimes, but with like, you know, my girls going and staying over at friends' houses and they go out to eat all the time or they go, you know, spend money doing all of these different things that we just don't really do. We cook food from home a lot. You know, they don't get everything that they ask for. Um, I gotta catch my breath. And of course, whenever they go out and do that, they come home and they're bragging about the delicious food that they had and the really cool new uh, Persian restaurant that they went to or, you know, like all of the details and stuff. But for me personally, like because I had that experience when I was a kid and I kind of just understand what it feels like to be on the other side of that. I know that they're not lacking anything. I know that they're happy where they are. I just let it slide off uh, pretty easily just 
because of that experience. And even though I obviously want them to be happy and want them to feel like they have the best life ever, I never feel the need to change our lifestyle or to change the way that I'm raising my kids because I know from experience time after time that having everything is not going to make them happier. You know, I know that it's not going to enrich their lives or make them any happier as human beings than they already are. And so I always like to come back to the benefits of living a clutter-free life with kids or even living a minimalist life with kids. You know, there's a big spectrum and different people choose to do it differently, but I think that at the core of it, not having so much excess has a lot of benefits, especially when it comes to kids. The next question is decluttering kids' elementary-aged items when they won't let go and are collectors. So I can relate to this. My youngest was definitely a collector. She was one of the ones who would be walking home from school, and she would walk home with a collection of rocks and sticks and just random things that they would come inside with. And, uh, and you know, that's okay. I, I wasn't crazy about it, but it was a part of our lives that we just went through, and it passed, and that was okay. Um, but I can see that it can also really get out of control if there aren't some kind of boundaries and parameters. I think that this really comes down to perspective and what's actually going on in the space. Is it that they have just an overwhelming amount of belongings and that it's not working for you because they're leaving stuff everywhere and you know change needs to happen because sometimes that's the case and when it is then you're the parent boundaries should definitely be established, right? Uh, I think that the easiest way to go about that is using spatial constraints and saying, you know what, you can have this giant box area and anything that fits in that is all yours. That's great. Uh, but if it doesn't fit in the box, then we're going to have to let it go, unfortunately, and then kind of work with them to deciding what's going to fit in the box and what's not. At least then things are able to be contained. But I also have some personal experience with just particular items that bothered me that I wanted my kid to let go of that I just had to make peace with. My youngest daughter had the one who was a collector and gets really attached, got really attached to her belongings. Uh, she had this purple puff puffy jacket that she was crazy about. She lived in this jacket. She would go to sleep in the jacket. She would play outside in the jacket and, you know, play outside in the dirt. And it started looking more brown than actually purple. My goal <laughs> in life was to get her to get rid of that jacket. And every time we would go to the store, you know, I would pull out other jackets that were way cuter and way cozier. And I would start talking them up and be like, oh, you know, this one is really soft on the inside and it's purple too, but it looks like a new purple. Anyway, she wasn't having any of it. And so eventually I just had to let it go, right? Like, I mean, I could have forced her out of it. It could have been a miserable experience for both of us, but I decided that winter doesn't last forever, right? Summer was just around the corner. She would stop wearing the jacket when it got hot. And the next year it probably wasn't going to fit her anyway. And that's exactly what happened after a month or two. She stopped wearing the jacket because it was summer. And then by the next winter, we were able to get her a new jacket. Problem solved. So there are some times when you can just let things go and make things a lot easier on both of you. But it really just depends on the state that you're talking about. And there may be a little bit of both that happens, right? Like a little bit of you making peace with some things and also setting boundaries for some of their other things. But I do, I totally feel you on the collectors. Um, the good news is that doesn't last forever. Next question, 
Have you done anything on minimal toys? What are the most useful, versatile, worthwhile toys to have? And what are just creating clutter? I know this can be different for each household, but I find when a video focuses on a subject of interest, I'm always able to take away a few useful tips. I would love some ideas and tips in this area. Uh, it is very different from household to household. And I, I think I upset one person once because I said that um, the Barbies and all of the little Barbie accessories and all the Barbie clothes and stuff, that that's just not, that's too much sometimes. It's not necessary. And for my kids, that always ended up being clutter. You know, there may be some kids who really do use all of the little things and maybe they really do dress up their dolls uh, regularly and it doesn't end up being shoved away. But that wasn't the case for us. For us, uh, any of the plastic dolls with all the plastic accessories and the little clothing items just did not pan out. Another thing that really didn't pan out for us and keeping in mind that I had girls, not boys, was all of the Nerf guns. I felt like they had so many Nerf guns with different little styro styrofoam uh, shooters and stuff. And I know I've seen some kids that, that love Nerf guns. My kids definitely did not get the full benefit out of them, nor would I have really wanted them to. Like looking back, having two toddlers and then two elementary school kids running around, like I don't want them shooting each other with Nerf guns all over the house. That sounds like a, a stressful situation. So I'm glad that they didn't really get into that. Um, but that was one thing that I can remember. And then McDonald's, oh, the Happy Meals. <laughs> um, but, you know, and that's, that's a difficult one too, because you know it's trash. And yet, if they get a Happy Meal and they open the toy, you don't want to be like, yep, that, and then immediately take it and trash it. So you feel like you have to give it a little bit of a grace period and then go scoop it up. But they almost always end up being just trash. So I personally try to steer away from the noisemakers, the hard plastic things that, aside from Legos, Legos I think are awesome, but just like the odd shaped plastic things that are supposed to serve one purpose. I feel like more often than not, those end up just being cluttered items. I'm obviously with this new baby, we're going to be going through all of those stages again. So I'll be getting more ideas as we go along. Uh, I foresee myself probably having a lot of squishy, stuffy type things probably. Um, and then some of the wood blocks and wood learning play type of toys as far as from the baby and toddler age. That's what I'm envisioning for the space. So I'll let you know. I remember though, when my kids were little, the simpler, the better. Like they would just as soon sit on the floor with pots and pans and a big spoon when they were really young uh, than to play with the really expensive, fancy, like Tickle Me Elbow thing. I thought that it was the coolest, the Tickle Me Elbow and the uh, the bouncing Tigger. I had a Tigger that bounced on its tail. And I thought that it was awesome, terrified my oldest when she was a toddler. Uh, she did not like any, she did not like any of those things. She's like, please, you know, like give me a pot and a spoon and we'll be happy. So I think that a lot of times it's not the kids wanting the nice things, especially when they're really little. It's that we think that they're going to like it. Or, you know, we're thinking with our more advanced brains of all of these technological and cool things that we would enjoy playing with more than a pot. Uh, but a lot of times the kids don't see it that way. Like literally look at the data. What are they actually playing with? Because those are the things that are going to be less clutter. The next question is tips on getting my five-year-old to understand decluttering. I can't wait to go through these whole, these processes again as my little one grows and kind of get a, a refresher. I do think that whenever you're having these types of conversations with your kids and you're getting them on board, it's really important that you speak to them 
in terms that they're going to understand mentally and emotionally. So if you're telling them, well, we need to have more space and peace and these things are too loud and they're taking up too much room. I mean, the kid's probably not really going to be able to relate much to that. They don't see it that way. They don't understand why that's a problem. Whereas if you're able to somehow relate it to something that they've experienced before and use words that they uh, can relate more to, like maybe something from a show that they watch, (laughs) you know, using like relatable story type uh, language, then they're more likely to at least come around. So for example, I, I said earlier, you know, if they have a toy that they haven't played with in a really long time that's still in good condition that you could donate, because a lot of times younger kids give personalities to items, um, poor Bun Bun hasn't really gotten a whole lot of attention here lately, but I bet that there are some kids out there who would love to play with Bun Bun and Bun Bun would get to experience more of the world, you know, like something like that, put in a little bit of a story, make it something that's relatable to them. I'm sure I'm going to get some kind of hate messages on this whole idea, but I don't know. I think that it works, especially for younger kids and it helps them to have a little more compassion, I feel like, on the whole process instead of just feeling like you're taking all of their stuff away from them. The next question was clutter-free tips for toddler play areas. Uh, Again, this is something that I hopefully will have some more concrete advice to give on and and a whole video full of, you know, in the next couple of years. But uh, for me, it's, it's really like toddlers don't need much at all. Babies and toddlers really don't need much at all. And I've seen so many toddlers that due to probably gifts from family and, you know, people who want to adorn them with all of these things to show their love, which is a sweet sentiment, right? But it can end up in just having mounds and mounds of things that they don't even play with, things that are piled up in the closet or piled up in their rooms. And that just really kind of takes away from your beautiful nursery that you probably had conceptualized whenever you were pregnant. Um, But it's not necessary, really. Like they're not going to be able to play with all of those things. And they will absolutely have their favorites, the whole 80-20 rule. Like they're probably going to play with 20% of the toys 80% of the time. Probably the hardest part of curating the perfect toddler or nursery room for for any given person is going to be becoming comfortable with setting boundaries or with not needing to keep everything that's given. Um, Either that or, you know, like set boundaries in in advance. Be like, hey, uh, please stick to the registry or, you know, like I don't need any toys right now. Let's have a diaper party instead or something like that so that you can kind of put a little bit of a, a lid on how much excess you're getting. I find that a lot of times people, as long as they have the information, they just want to get you something that's going to make you happy. There may be like one or two that the kids love. Like maybe they have a little plastic kitchenette and they love the thing and that's all they play with. Well, that's great. That's not, I wouldn't say that's clutter for them. As long as it works for them, it works for you and it's all maintained, that's fine. But usually that's not the case. Usually it's that plus tons of other pieces and a good portion of them aren't being used. For me personally, like I like to keep things simple. I like to keep things a little more muted. I like to definitely have homes for things, whether it's a bin or a dresser drawer or make sure that there are spots for things and those spots are never just areas on the 
floor, right? So I think if you have your spatial constraints planned and in control, even if you're already in the midst of having a bunch of stuff for your toddler, you can still go through and make sure that you have some kind of spatial constraints in place and decide where you want things and do a little course correcting. You know, take some things to donation, give some things to other people who have kids. Like I said before, the kind of the wooden toy things mixed with maybe some soft squishies. I feel like those are the ones that they tend to kind of reach for. Um, But every kid is probably different. The next question, I told you we had a lot of these. Um, I realize I don't have too much stuff, but maybe my kids have, especially clothes and toys. I don't really know how to deal with that because most of these things are presents from family and friends. I think that one of the biggest mindsets that we all have to overcome in order to have the space that we want and really just to kind of have the lives that we want is setting boundaries and being okay with disappointing. (laughs) Uh, I've heard like Marie Forleo says, you know, I'm a professional disappointer because sometimes you have to say no. And sometimes you have to do things that maybe other people aren't going to be crazy about. But if it's directly related to you and your space and something that's impacting your life, then you absolutely have the right to do that. So I don't think that there's any reason to believe that once a gift is given to you or to your kids, that that means that you are now responsible for that thing indefinitely. You know, I think that that's a really unfair way to look at things that are gifted. Um, And to me, I think that most of my family and the people who know me know that I feel this way. Once a gift is given to you or to your kids, that thing no longer belongs to the gift giver. Now it belongs to the gift receiver to do with as they see fit, right? You shouldn't be required to house things and tend to them forever just because somebody else um, had a nice thought and wanted to let you know they were thinking of you or let your kids know that they were, you know they were thinking of them. And so you should make peace with the the fact that you're going to do what you need to do for your space and you're going to make the best decisions you can make for your kids, even if that means donating things that they're not using or not playing with or even reselling things that were gifted that they absolutely are not going to use or play with. And I've I've had that happen. You know, I've had uh, family members send gifts to the kids before that were things that the kids just weren't interested in, right? Like, I, I don't want to use this particular type of thing. I'm not really interested in it. And instead of forcing them to or storing it up in their closet, we'll either resell it or find somebody else who wants to use it or donate it unopen. Letting go of that belief that we have to hold on to everything that's gifted or that it's rude to let go of things that were gifted to us um, is a big stepping stone that just gives you so much relief. It's so much more relieving to not feel obligated and guilty all the time about so many things that people give you. The idea of gift giving, a lot of people, it's their love language. And I think that it's a beautiful thing, right? They, they're not giving something to you, hopefully, out of vindication or proving some point, right? It's probably because they love you, they love your kid, they want to express that love and gratitude in some way. And um, I think that it kind of manipulates the positivity behind that if we then feel guilted and obligated and have all of these negative emotions toward it, if that makes sense. That's the way that I look at it. And that's that's kind of how I live my life and how I've lived my life with my kids. And, and I don't feel bad about it anymore, you know? I think it's fine. And lastly, I actually did respond to this person personally because I got a little frustrated, but I think that it could also be good for other people to see. So uh, this person says, 
I like to keep my home very tidy. I'm five months pregnant. I have a friend who struggles with keeping her house clutter-free and tidy. She constantly says to me, you won't be able to tidy once you have kids. To me, it comes off as really negative, and I don't want to have that mindset. To me, it just seems like it comes from a place of jealousy. Has anyone else dealt with comments like these? There are so many people who are going to have an opinion and unfortunately share their opinion about you and your pregnancy and your baby and your family and what you can and can't do. And it drives me insane because I am somebody who has always had that willpower that like, if I have something in mind and people are telling me I can't do it, it just makes me want to do it more. It really frustrates me. And I was told so many things when I was pregnant, you know, like, well, I guess you won't be able to travel now that you have kids. Good luck trying to be clutter free and, and get rid of everything. And I've even had people tell me, oh, poor kids, people I, I love, people I care about, people I'm close to in my family. Uh, when I, you know, I'm talking about living a minimalist life and, you know, please don't go buy all of this stuff from the dollar store for them. They don't need it. We don't, we don't want that. And, and I've had people tell me, poor kids, you know, I feel really bad for them. And I think that that is so offensive. I got to say, like, if any of you are those people who feel that way or who feel, um, you know, like you need to share your opinion, just don't just hold it in. Everybody is doing the best that they can. At least most of us are doing the best that we can and and trying to make the best decisions for our family. And I don't think that there is anything more offensive that I can think of and and just annoying and in bad taste really than telling somebody, uh, poor kids. There are just so many things that people put limits and barriers on themselves for. And so it it makes them feel bad, I think, when somebody else does do it if that makes sense. Like, I can't keep the house clean. There, there's stuff all over the place. But I've explained this away by saying, well, it's not possible because I have these kids. So now if somebody else does manage to do that and to keep a more peaceful space and they have kids, well, what does that mean about my reality? <laughs> so I think that there's a lot of like behind the scenes that goes on there. Um, but nonetheless, it's still really frustrating. The idea of saying, you can't do this or good luck doing this when you have something, you know, when you have kids, good luck trying to keep your space together or good luck having nice things. Uh, I think that it's just a limiting belief and mindset on, on their part. Maybe some jealousy built in like the person in the question suggested. The most important thing is that it's not true. And you don't even have to say anything. You can if you want. I sometimes have trouble keeping my mouth closed. But even if you don't say anything, just don't let it influence your actions and your decisions. Those are all of the questions that I have. I'll catch you next week.